Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Taz and Paula. Good afternoon, everybody. Well, we have such an exciting show for you. Our guest author, Carolyn Gervais, tackles some very thought-provoking concepts that take you on an inner journey, stretching your mind beyond the limitations of belief and perception. Her new book, I Dreamed I Was Human, Awakening from the Illusion. It's a real knee slapper, and I don't mean a ha-ha knee slapper. I mean a wake-up knee slapper. It made me want to tear open the book and just devour the pages. I surmise something like this, but when you read it, you wonder how we get caught up in our everyday scenarios and then sit back and realize we have some real data here that can open doors to the next level. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show. I'm Taz. And I'm Paula. From the time Carolyn was a little girl, she was haunted with the question as to why she was here on Earth and why God created humans. Now, after more than 35 years of study and research of metaphysical spirituality, Carolyn has discovered the own, her own view of spirituality and how that equates to the dream of life. Carolyn has been frequently published in the Sedona Journal of Emergence and on numerous websites focused on metaphysical spirituality. She has obtained Minister in Spiritual Psychology, a certified hypnotherapist, and has a master's degree in holistic nutrition. Taz, is there more? (laughs) Oh my goodness, you bet there is. From entertainer to teacher, Carolyn was also a professional singer for over 20 years. There seems to be no tools in her research that she hasn't tested. Carolyn Gervais, thank you so much for creating the time to be with us today. We welcome you. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Well, Carolyn, um, as I said before, uh, you always had questioned uh, why you were here on Earth and why God created humans. How young were you when you started questioning that? Well, I have to tell you, it's 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 kind of weird, but um, I kind of came in that way because I remember as far back as um, from three to five years old or two to five years old, I remember one day I just realized I was on this earth and I was in this body. And I was looking out around me shocked as to how I got here. It was like all of a sudden I just was in my body and I realized I was at this in this place and I really didn't understand what it was and I was 
trying to figure out how I got here, what happened. And because I did have a memory of the way it felt um, from where I came from before I found myself here. And that was a place, naturally we all say this, but it was a place of peace. Uh, There wasn't confusion and chaos there like it is here and a very just loving place. And when I found myself here, I felt like it, there was chaos going on around me, watching everybody around me doing their thing, the adults, and, and uh, couldn't understand the things they were doing. And I just wondered what I was going to do. How was I going to, was I going to be able to get out of this place and go back to where I was, or was I going to have to stay here for a while? And so I figured, well, you know, if if I have to stay here, then I'm going to have to just watch everything as much as I can that's going on around me and try to figure out and make some sense of all this so I could figure out how to get out of here and go back to where I was. Wow. You have a, you have a twin sister, right? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Did she come in that way? Uh, no, she she didn't come in exactly like that. She did at five years old. Um, I remembered that I was always looking through, uh, looking at everything around me through a white haze, but I didn't realize that until at five years old that white haze was removed from my eyes, and that's how I knew I was looking at the earth through this white haze. And um, all of a sudden my thinking became more more clear in my body and I started to understand more what the relationships, what the relationships in my life meant. Um, for instance, I understood for the first time why my grandparents were my grandparents. And my twin sister had that experience where she remember she she remembered just like she was waking up and uh, she was looking around her uh, and that's what she remembers, but she doesn't remember anything before that. And that was at five years old for her as well. Wow. What was that white amazing. haze? What was the white haze you're talking Oh, go ahead, Ted. Well, I was just going to say, I, I wondered what this white gauzy haze is. Do you have any idea what this really is? Yes, I, I do. After all, you know, years and years of everything I've, I've experienced in my life, it was, I think, it was like, um, I was like in between um, this world and the other world, and, and, I, and I think that for sure I was, I was trying to decide um, whether I was going to stay here or not. Um, and um, that white haze was like living and seeing through a dream, like living in the dream, more of a dream aspect of life than in the physical body because once I came into my physical body more completely, I could really feel the difference. It's like everything became more clear. The sounds became more clear. The colors became more clear. Uh, It's like... uh, having um, having to wear glasses, and when you take them off, everything is fuzzy, and then when you put them on, it's clear. That's kind of like how it was. I wonder if you were. I wonder why you were placed in that that 
that stretch, I mean, that's quite a few years, that stretch yeah. of having that gauzy haze around you, is there anything that you've gotten any kind of um, imprint on why that took place for yeah. so long? I, I, I do, because um, it was probably, well, um, up until five that I was still deciding you know, I guess my soul was deciding whether I was going to even stay here because I do know that um, from my mother that when I was born, um, I I um, would not cry and I would not eat when I was born. For, for they were, and I would. Of course, my sister and I were premature, so we were only weighed three pounds apiece. So um, we were in incubators for six seven weeks and I was in it longer so I was born first and I weighed a couple ounces more than her but I wouldn't cry or eat and they they were really worried that I wasn't going to going to make it wow that's amazing you came in early that's probably probably the reason uh why you still had remembrance from the other side or the hay yeah that could very well be yeah yeah is that where you came up with your new book uh, title I dreamed I was human well that's one of uh, one one reason why I came up with that title but I through all my studies and meditation and contemplation and research and stuff I realized I finally realized that we are creating our life every day through our beliefs our perceptions our experiences what we've been taught what we feel and these all, and through all of our five senses, and through all of this, every day we wake up, and we don't know what's going to happen that day. We don't even know what we're, how we're going to act or what we're going to say. It kind of just unfolds as the day goes by. And it's like we're constantly uh, recreating the dream, the dream of life, because it changes all the time, first inwardly and then outwardly through our thoughts and beliefs as our beliefs and thoughts and our 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 knowledge changes our lives change as well so it's like we are recreating it all the time and that's why i call it a dream you know this is really interesting to me um you know thinking about the gauze that was around you uh, the the light and um i actually my son um, said to me, you know, Mom, I was surrounded by a bubble until I was about 22. <laughs> and he said, I saw the bubble break. Wow. And he said, and then the whole, the, then the whole um, atmosphere, you know, around him changed. And I'm thinking, isn't it amazing how each of us has that a different kind of aspect? Um, I don't remember anything like that myself or anything, but I thought it was interesting, you know, because I talked with him about different things, and mm-hmm. and then he said that I thought, wow. And hearing you talk about this, right. you know, mm-hmm. I wonder what different aspects um, maybe people because after people read your book have they have they told you different things like this yes i've had people have different experiences uh that um suggested the same thing but they experienced it in a different way wow. uh like they came in with a knowing um they they didn't want to be here they didn't know why they were here and uh something told them that um, they 
were going to grow and expand in this life, and that's why they came here. So I think a lot of people that come here with that tendency that feel like, they don't understand why they're here at a very early age. They just know they're here. And uh, I think that they, there is an inner knowing that they are here to wake up more, a little more quickly as to what human life is than, than the average person. Does that make mm. sense? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, as far as your book, mm-hmm. you placing the book before people at this point, tell us what that was all about and how the book really came about for you. Uh, well, like I said, it began when I was a child. I knew I had to find the answers uh, to this life, and I, I, I realized as I got older an older child like five six years old six years old even uh i started asking the adults around me uh, how did i get here why are we here what's the reason for it and when i learned that there was this god uh that was uh, responsible for all of this i wondered uh why this god that loves us more than anything would put us here on this earth because from the very beginning of my life it was not fun (laughs) i came from a very dysfunctional family like most kids you know but i from i just knew that this was not a place i would want to stay forever and i i have felt that way my whole life um so i'm here for however long i am here and i'm doing what i I need to do in order to stay here and in order to understand uh, being here so that I can uh, see my way clear out of here when the time comes and that I might be able to help others to understand why they are here and what that all means. Mm -hmm. So why do we come here if it's so much nicer on the other side? (laughs) Well... (laughs) We do because we agreed at a, at some point before humanity was cre- before humanity appeared on this earth. We as souls agreed that we wanted to experience this earthly realm that we call duality because for there's every extreme here. Uh, for every, every up, there's a down. For uh, every bit of suffering, there's joy, you know. So um, it's it's the extremes. And we decided, well, let's see what that would be like. I mean, we were given through the creative force free will to think and choose and to create what or co-create what we want to to experience. And so I feel that we created this earthly experience through the desire to expand because that's what I feel the creative force is constantly doing is expanding and unfolding into something new and different all the time and that will go on forever what whatever forever means 
<laughs> and uh, that uh, we are just part of that. Why do we have to be human in order to know ourselves better? Is there a reason behind it here? Well, we came in with, uh, uh, we, we come in with, uh, I, I hate to say it like this, but kind of deaf, dumb, and blind. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Spiritually yeah, speaking, work. anyway. Spiritually <laughs> speaking, and even physically, because when we're children, we don't we don't know anything, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So we come in kind of blind to everything, and uh, we have to figure it all out. And the reason why we do that is because we wanted to see if we could figure it all out. We wanted to see if we could find our way back to who we really are it's it's all a game it's all like a game but it's a game of learning and expanding in awareness and it's it's a a game of of the universe or god whatever you want to call it of unfolding in endless possibilities they must be laughing on the other side like crazy watching us well, either that or they're very sad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, but, wow. but, but you does know, our no. ego, does, does our ego get in the way in this game? <laughs> oh yes, all the time. In fact, because we were given free will, uh, and we said, okay, well, I want to do it my way. I mean, we all start that as children. No, I want to do it my way. I want it to be the way I want it to be. So that's where the ego comes in. That is the ego saying, okay, I'm going to pretend that I'm not this spiritual being and that I'm just this human being in this physical, on this physical earth and I'm going to play this game as if it is the only game there is and it's as real as real can be. And uh, so when that happens, we begin to make mistakes because we're no longer listening to that uh, that higher aspect of ourself, our soul, and or as much in tune with it, even though it is in there, uh, we are not conscious of it. So because we have free will, we can block it out if we want to and not listen at all. And so that's what we did from the beginning of time. We began to just do everything our own way and what happened was selfishness came into the picture um anger hate um uh just anything that was me oriented and through that we made all these uh, mistakes what we would call mistakes because from the choices we made we ended up suffering from those choices and that suffering wasn't to punish us that suffering was the only way that we would look at what we were doing and say, okay, do I want to do that again? Or, okay, what did I learn from this? And eventually, over time, we have been evolving on every level uh, through our experiences and the choices we have made. And that's why we are becoming more and more aware. Each generation is becoming, has the the possibility of being more aware than the generation before it because of what's come before that generation and what they learned. Do you speak um, in your book about uh, how we can use the ego to um, 
help us rather than to get in our way. Yes. The ego can actually, once we start deciding that, hey, what I'm doing is not working, I'm not, I'm not happy, uh, my relationships aren't good, I don't, I'm not uh, real pleased with how my life is turned out, then we begin to say, okay, is there something more? Is there more to us than this? And then we start asking questions. Okay, who am I? Why am I here? Uh, what am I supposed to do? And when we really mean it and we really want those answers, then we let go of worrying about whether we're going to like the answers or not. We start thinking, okay, well, I want to know the truth no matter what because I want to know what to do to make this, this life better. And so if that means disliking myself because I, I am realizing that something I did was something I was ashamed of, then, and, and we accept that and take responsibility for it, then that's when we start taking those steps to awareness, self-awareness, and knowledge of who we are as spiritual beings. So I'm going to ask you a question. Is life, okay, we're talking about going on the other side and coming here. Oh, I'm sorry. Before I say that, I wanted to end that with, so that's when the ego starts to come under the control of the higher self or the soul aspect. And that's what tames the ego and and teaches that what will help and uh, expand us into soul awareness. So it uses the ego as a tool then to help us to expand. And grow. Oh, that's great. Hmm. Tass, did you? So, yeah, I was going to say, so literally, excuse me, it's waking us up and taking us out of the illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's handing us back some, some tools. Right, uh, some, some light. <laughs> oh, wow. So how does reincarnation relate to parallel lives and alternate realities then? A lot of people ask me that. And what I, I say to that is the reason why they are related is because I'm sure you've, you've heard as well, and you may even believe this yourself, that there is no time outside of this realm of existence that we know of. I mean, there might be other, uh, other planets that have life on them that live in duality as well as we do where they might have time but time is something that man created in order to bring some some uh, uh, put things in order and and allow us to function in the world uh, and not be so confused for instance um, if I say well I'm going to meet you at at this rock, well, if we don't have a way to say what time that is, even if it's when the the moon is <laughs> is at its highest, I don't know, you know. But we have to have a way of saying what is going to what it's going to look like and be like around us. So we created time so we could say at seven o'clock, and so I will meet you at seven o'clock on such and such a corner. And so without time, can you imagine how hard it would be to do that, to, to coordinate things? 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, <laughs> yeah, and so we created time just to be able to function in in this uh, reality. It, but it doesn't exist, which means that everything is ex- being experienced and lived out all at the same time, just on different frequency levels. It's like tuning into a radio station or an Internet station or a TV station. We turn the dial to this and we see this. We experience this. Well, that's what reincarnation really is. We turn the dial to this and there we are in the 1800s or the, three, the year 3000, you know. Uh, it can be the future <laughs> and it can be the past. It doesn't matter. They're all going on at the same time. So right now we're actually living several other yeah. lives. <laughs> yes, we are actually we, living them. Is that why we and get deja vu sometimes? Yes, that is one reason why we get deja vus. And there's many other ways to experience parallel lives and alternate realities. Uh, are you? Did you read any of those in my book? Were you, did, well, did we, you see? we just barely got your book today, so... Oh, darn. Okay, yeah, no, well, but we've been, have... we've, been um, we've been exploring it on uh, Amazon and um, oh, okay. your website. So. Okay. Well, in my book I have um, three examples of parallel or alternate reality um, experiences that I had um, that I talk about in my book. Um, and they can happen in many ways. You know, you can be driving down the street and you're, you, it's like you go into an altered state and your body's functioning and you, you're driving and you're doing fine with that, but then all of a sudden you snap back all of a sudden and you wonder how you got to where you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of going into an alternate reality, but you may not be, you may not be consciously aware what you experienced in that time lapse. You know, yeah, unless, I can remember driving driving into my own car. My like my car was actually I saw my car parked in the driveway, and I uh-huh. actually drove into it. Wow! And my husband said, "What took you so long to get out of the car? You've been here forever before you got out." So I get, I think that's probably an example of uh-huh. what uh-huh. we're talking about. But it can, yeah, but yeah, and it can be experienced in so so many different ways, and I explain it in my book because there's not one way to experience anything. It's all individual, uh, according to our wiring, our uh, the totality of our energy and our being determines how we experience anything. So uh, I like people to realize that because they say they think because they didn't experience the way somebody else experienced that they're doing it wrong or or they're just not aware enough to do it or whatever the case may be you know um so in my book i explain it has happened to me while i am totally awake and in walking around in the world or driving or whatever um i've experienced being in another reality uh and still being in this one. Yeah, you you on the YouTube that I was watching, you you told a story about uh, you you were actually in um, a room with your grandmother while she was uh, right. in a coma, mm-hmm. and then she to you she came out of the coma, mm-hmm. 
and your sisters didn't see her do that. Right. So is that a, an example? Yes, that's an example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I talked to her, and all these things happened, and I didn't know I didn't know my sisters were in there. In my my experience, they left the room, but in their experience, they never left the room. But they didn't experience what I experienced. You know, in your book, um, you have a chapter called Is Your Perception of God Holding You Hostage? Mm-hmm. And I imagine a lot of us might feel that way. Yes. I'm thinking until you get it, you're going to stay here. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, right. God is holding me hostage. No. <laughs> Actually, I'm holding myself hostage for a reason. I'm sure it's a good reason. Uh, but and all reasons are good reasons. It's just some of them may not feel comfortable, but that doesn't mean they're not good. That doesn't mean they're not wonderful experiences. It just means that we'd rather be somewhere else maybe. But uh, And I want people to realize there is no such thing as punishment. It's just that certain actions require a certain reaction. So we have to take that into consideration. What we do in our life, what we experience in our life, is to show us something that we want to know about ourselves or learn that we believe it can only happen this way. So we experience it in the way that we believe that, it, it, that we will learn that lesson. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, so our, the perception of our truth, yes, is our bondage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. well, I our, go ahead. I was going to say I have a friend that um, has a sister that was mad at her parents and most of her life, and they started to um, tell each other about their childhood, and she said her sister experienced their childhood completely different than she did. Mm -hmm. So uh, to me that would be an example. Yeah, that is an example. We experience through our own perceptions, beliefs, and experiences, and how we are wired um, on a soul level, how we come in, because we come in pre-programmed. Uh, from other other existences. So we come in pre-programmed, and then we just take on the programming of this family that we are born into in our own way. Uh, my, my twin sister, you know, yes, she has experienced uh, our childhood in somewhat different way than I have. She saw it um, a, a, a lot more... And I don't know if she sees it that way or she wants to believe it's that way because we don't always know. Sometimes we want to believe something so much we, we choose to believe it. But she sees it so much, not so much more loving, but more loving than I, I do. Um, but I feel my father was a lot harder on me than he was my sister. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> and he was, he was, and she admits that now, but, you know, he just was. For some reason, he expected more from me. I don't know. Yeah, and I, maybe it's be, the the wiring between the two of you um, was different well, than your sister. Well, it is the wiring between us because one thing that she and I have done a lot in our in this life is 
when one of us has experienced something in life, the other one feels like they've experienced it too, the same thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So uh, we do get confused as to who really experienced it. Do um, all twins uh, have that? All twins have their form of that, I think, especially identical twins. Uh, they do have their form of it. Um, and some twins may do it so naturally that they don't see it as weird or different from anybody else. Well, that's a double learning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whoopee-doo. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, do you live uh, close to her now? Yes, I do. I live 20 minutes away from, 25 minutes away from her. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and that's close enough. I was going to say, if she's across the world, it's like uh, something's happening. You feel it. Well, that has happened um, when many times in our lives when uh, something has happened to her. I have felt it when we were little kids. I remember that happened to me a lot. She fell. She was leaning. We were both leaning out of our crib when we were just babies trying to reach hands, we, I remember this, and uh, we were far enough away from each other to where my sister fell out over the crib mm. bars on her head on a cement floor, and oh. I felt it. Oh. I felt it, and I started bawling my eyes out because I felt her pain. Mm. And my parents, did, I guess they figured I, it just scared me, but... I felt her pain, and I thought, "What? This isn't fair." You know, <laughs> I'm I'm feeling her pain. You know. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. You also well, have another mm-hmm. chapter in here that talks about the ripple effect of judging. Mm-hmm. And um, what are we actually doing when we're judging? When we're judging uh, somebody, we're judging because we are afraid or we're feeling less than, or uh, uh, we're feeling uh, discriminated against. Um, and so when we re-attack to, to get back at them, we're actually we are actually attacking ourselves as well because we're in pain because they said something to us. So now we're angry and upset and we say something back, that maybe we don't really mean to, to hurt them. And we cannot hurt somebody else like that where after the anger wears off, we don't feel some kind of guilt for it. So that's an, uh, then we start attacking ourselves for even doing that. So it's a, it's a ripple effect. Um, unless somebody's a sociopath, of course. <laughs> but I mean people that, you know, have feelings and, and compassion. Uh, when we say something cruel, we usually end up feeling very bad for doing that. And so that's what I call the ripple effect. So we, feel, we end up feeling guilty for it, so that's a, an attack on ourselves for... After being attacked by this person, now we're attacking ourselves for for retaliating. Hmm. <laughs> You're getting a double whammy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we need to look at why we, why what they said to us hurt us so much. And the reason, if we really look at it, the reason usually is because some part of us believes that what they're saying might be true. We're afraid it might be true. Otherwise, why would we get upset? If we know that it isn't, why would it upset us? True. Mm-hmm. Now, you do uh, soul path readings. Yes. And uh, I was reading about your readings. It sounded very interesting. Um, you Can you explain how you do the readings? Well, um, there are different aspects, um, five different aspects in a, in a soul path reading. And... Um, one is the role. The first one is the role we, that we, com- we choose to play in this particular life. And there are seven roles that we choose from, depending which ones we have mastered and which ones we haven't. Um, and those roles consist of uh, names like uh, uh, server, we come as to serve others, uh, priest, meaning to guide others, spiritually speaking, um, as an artisan, which is, uh, brings new uh, experiences and new ideas of art and uh, beauty to the earth through uh, spiritually. Sages, which uh, help other people uh, with, with wisdom. Sages have a lot of wisdom, depending on the level and frequency they are working out of, though. Let me make that clear. We all vibrate on different frequencies. Like there can be ten servers, let's say, lined up in a room, and they're all going to serve in their own way. So they might look different, but they are actually all servers, let's say. And it's the same for all of them. Then there's warriors uh, who defend and also can uh, also attack as well. There's a positive and negative to every every aspect. And then there's kings and scholars. Uh, and then the next uh, soul aspect is um, uh, the goal we come in to uh, uh, we come in with a goal that we want to accomplish in this in a particular lifetime. And so we come in with a certain goal, and the goals consist of uh, uh, like, uh, discrimination, um, uh, see. discrimination, uh, sophisticate, which is uh, being sophisticated and worldly. That's what discrimination. That's what that goal is, to become more sophisticated and worldly, and um, and then there's the uh, let's see. I wrote them all down here. Uh, let's see. Okay. Yeah. The 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 attitude is um, spiritualist, stoic, idealist, skeptic, realist, cynic, and prag- pragmatist. Um, and there's like five different levels. And I did do a couple of them for you, both of you, if you want me oh. to give you an example oh yeah we're ready (laughs) what i do is (laughs) i go inward and uh figure out the different 
soul aspects of of different people, but I usually I ask them questions first and uh, get a to get a feel of their energy. But I took it upon myself to do it for the first time to see if I could do it uh, by just asking your souls. So I ask oh. each of your souls for permission to give you a, just a taste of what a soul chart is like or a soul path reading is like. And well, that's wonderful. So, yeah. So You must have known we'd say yes. <laughs> well, you did say yes. Your soul said yes, it's okay, you know. But I'm not going to go into real depth here because, you know, some of this is pretty personal stuff. But, uh, Taz, this, this is your role. You you chose the role or the energy of being the role of a priest, and what that means is that you uh, came in with the ability ability to move quickly through the lessons of Earth, and uh, you are propelled as a soul towards spiritual advancement, and you help others you help to propel others into that energy as well. Um, so that's part of what your role is here, what the role you chose. And uh, your goal is discrimination. Uh, your goal is to pick and choose what you do and what you don't want to do, uh, more so than other people. Some people just kind of come in and they draw certain things to them that they can't help but draw to them. You actually uh, have decided probably you, we don't start out like that when we're born, but we move into the adult version of these, these different aspects as we experience more of life. And so as an adult, you have come to the point in your life long ago, you came to this point, to choose what you wanted in your life and what you don't want. And we all do that. We all try to do that. That doesn't mean we all are able to do that to the degree that you are. Mm-hmm. Um, your, cri- cri- you have, uh, your critical faculties um, are developed and you have learned to express uh, reasoned, well-thought-out opinions on many different matters. Uh, and this is why you are good at what you do in helping yourself and, and others. Now, your attitude is um, the kind, the more about how your attitude toward life, how you see the world. And you see the world as it really is. Uh, you are a realist, in other words. You don't necessarily see things as good or bad. They are just what they are. Does that sound like you? Yeah, definitely. Neutrality. Okay. Yeah. And your mode is the way you reach your goal, the way you choose to reach your goal. And yours is with passion. That's how you reach your goals with passion. Yeah, I do. I have that passion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what well, all I did for you. That's uh, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And Paula um, uh-huh. You have fully developed um, a, 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 your, your conscience, your compassion, 
and the ability to connect emotionally with other people. I'm not saying that you haven't done that too, Taz, but this is just, this is what I just got for for, um, Paula. Now, your role is that of scholar. And what that means is that you are basically driven to know and assimilate knowledge. Because of this role, you are one of those people that provide the service of recording on an essence level everything that happens so nothing is forgotten or left out as far as the Kashuk records are concerned. So you do this on an essence level automatically. You help all the roles to better connect in whatever way is beneficial for the situation and you bring stability wherever you go which allows others to do what they need to do. Uh, Your tendency is, or maybe when you were younger, but I feel your tendency is to be somewhat quiet and unobtrusive and so that you can better gather knowledge around you. But you can also be very powerful when you speak uh, your beliefs and your truths and and your knowledge. You absorb experience... um, Innately, you just absorb all your experiences into you. And they do affect you uh, in ways, too, that maybe are stronger than other people, than they might affect uh, other people. So you can't kind of live live the experiences that you absorb because they, they are so, you feel them so acutely. And... I have to say I know this <laughs> because I, I'm also a scholar. My role is also a scholar. So I know this. I, whenever, when I was started studying metaphysics at 17 and the books I would read, I was just, oh my, it was like they were a part of me. They became a part of me. I was like one with them or something. That's the only way I can explain it. So, and your goal is acceptance. Um, your life is this has been a life long issue for you and that is being accepted by others and you accepting others for who they are and and accepting them for their choice with the you know despite what their choices are accepting them and their choices and the people that they choose to have in their life um in other words, accepting life and people the way they are. And, and uh, let's see what else. Your mode, which is how you choose to uh, meet your goal, to accomplish your goal, is through aggression. Now, it doesn't sound, it's not what it sounds like. What this means is uh, you, are, you, you persevere. You persevere and take action to manifest uh, more through behavior than feelings or thoughts. In other words, you are willing to step in and take action where others might not or would not. Uh, Therefore, you can be very dynamic, action-oriented in achieving personality goals and growing spiritually because of it. And uh, your attitude... Uh, is 
also realist. You can often point uh, you can point out the fallacy in other attitudes because you can see uh, objectively the different aspects and the way that is the most positive way to to go. Does that sound like you? Uh, the acceptance part of it, um, I do see the part of it of me wanting to be accepted, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. On the on the other side, I pretty well accept everyone for who they are. No, but that's no. This is what you came oh. in with. Oh, this okay. is what you oh, came that's what in I came with. In. So okay. you've probably mastered a lot of these. Okay. At this point in your life. Yeah. Okay. So. so. That was great. Yeah, you've Thank got to you. look at it from when you were younger, before you learned everything you've learned and know everything you know. So. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. There's another part in your book I just have to bring up. I, this is so um, well done, and it allows people to see on a higher level going in um, for themselves. Uh, One of the other topics um, was tearing down the walls of addiction. Mm -hmm. And you say that everyone has some kind of addiction. But do you want to speak to that? Because I think there's everybody that's got things on their list. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, would you speak, speak to that, please? Okay. What I mean by that is we can be addicted to anything. We can be addicted to uh, feelings and emotions. We can be addicted to depression. We can be addicted to food. We can be addicted to a way of life. We can be addicted to the way we see life or view life and therefore refuse to see it any other way. We, just take, we can be even addicted to passion. It's, it doesn't mean that every addiction is bad. It, it means that uh, it's something that uh, kind of takes over in our life and, and makes us do what we do. Does that well, help? I'm, yeah, it's great. And all of a sudden I'm being brought back to reality and I see that we've got maybe about four minutes left. I wish we had more time. No, uh, we can go, actually we can go over a little bit because we had a late start. Okay. Okay, good, Paula. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we want her more. So well, did, <laughs> Did that make sense to you, Tess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how can someone work with an addiction that they don't want in their life? I mean, well, they have to be willing to look at what causes them to feel they have to hang on to that addiction. Uh, They have to really look inside themselves and ask themselves. What does this addiction give me that I feel that life can't give me? And if it is the addiction replaces love, the addiction replaces, blinds you or uh, allows you to forget that you don't like yourself or you hate yourself or or that you feel that uh, other people uh, 
think you're um, a mess or whatever the case may be, or your parents abused you. We have to look at what um, we think the addiction uh, allows us to forget. Um, And usually it's something painful, especially if it's an addiction we don't want. It's usually something painful. I have known people that um, have been molested and they became drug addicts because the pain of that, of, of that um, especially if it's by a family member, uh, is so uh, shameful to them that they can't deal with it because they can't understand how that could have happened or, or why it happened or, or, or how to heal it. And so uh, they need professional help, definitely, but they also need to start uh, reading books on, uh, or talking to people that are experts in the certain areas of addiction and figure out how they can deal with that shame or that pain that um, haunts them if they're not if they don't have what they are addicted to, how to deal with it, how to desensitize them. And hypnotherapy can help with that. It can help to desensitize a person's pain. And the way that happens is by talking about it. The person talks about that pain a lot to the the hypnotherapist. And over time, and it re-experiences the pain from it over and over again to where there's a certain point where it's like, oh, I'm done with this. I don't don't need to feel that anymore. You know, I'm just angry now, you know. Uh, You know, that's their problem. You start to realize that you can let go of that pain because you start to realize that it was just a perception of yourself that caused it, a perception of what happened that caused it. And once you learned that pain is just a perception and addiction is just a perception, then you can learn to let go of it and be rid of it. I I was anorexic. That was my addiction for many years. Um, And I didn't think I would ever be able to let go of it. But when I realized that it was going to kill me, I was going to die if I didn't start eating. Um, And I was even being guided in my dreams on how to eat. But I was so afraid to, to, to take the advice because I felt that if I put anything in my mouth that had calories, I would hate myself so much I would want to die. And so that's what kept me from eating, the fear that I would hate myself more and become so f- fat and ugly that I, I couldn't stand myself and nobody else could stand me. And that was my greatest fear. Because, and see, I had a twin sister that was my um, mirror, actually, you know, because she looked like me. And uh, when I went through my first divorce, I did uh, gain some weight because uh, of the, my husband was trying to take my son away from me. 
and the pain and, and anguish he put me through was devastating. And so I started just not eating, skipping meals, and then I'd be starving. And, uh, and so I'd just grab something at a fast food place, and I started gaining weight, and panic just took over. And I stopped eating, stopped eating. So my way out of it was to, to um, go to school and learn about holistic nutrition so I could learn how to eat and, and not uh, destroy myself and not become fat and ugly or whatever I, I feared and how to be healthy and live a healthy life. And that's what pulled me out of the anorexia. It wasn't right away. It still took some years. But I, it was a slow process, but gradually I came out of it. Wow. Well, thank, thank goodness you. you're here to help others. <laughs> well, we just want to let everybody let everybody know about your website. You've got a couple, but the the main website is uh, www.awakeningyou.com. That's my personal website, yes. And, and you can find out all website. about me there and my other my services and and other things that I do and have. And uh my book website is I dreamed I was human dot com. And for you everybody, know, it's a great book. Oh my gosh, we, um, Carolyn Gervais, we love your intriguing topics. Let me tell you, Thanks. I wonder just how many tonight we will peek into a new reality after they settle down. I <laughs> <laughs> let everybody know that. How do you spell Carolyn's last name? It's G E R. V-A-I-S. And her newest book is I Dreamed I Was Human. Awakening from the Illusion. Mm -hmm. Thank thank you you so much for being with us. Thank you, Taz and Paula. (laughs) It was fun talking to you. Thank you for our reading. reading. (laughs) You're welcome. Oh you guys goodness. are twins. You talk for each other, don't you? <laughs> My twin well, we've been doing this. We've been doing this so long. It's like we are. Yes, <laughs> so. I understand that totally. Yes. Oh my God. And you're so Have connected. <laughs> yeah. Blessings to you and your well, family. Thank you. You too. Thank Bye-bye. you. God bless you. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>